half an hour after where we left you guys last time. All of you gathered in Desdemona's house in different rooms, perhaps. You have Marcus and both wardens there, the three of you, and uh, the librarian who is still hanging around and has not left yet. So you got that going for you. Where whereabouts in Des's place would everybody be? Albion is up by the shrine right now, probably having asked the librarian to meet him up there. Okay. Did you want a new bowl? Um, your bowl, bro. Yeah, he has a new bowl. Okay. Uh, Ro is gonna be in the kitchen. What a coincidence! Des is in the kitchen with the kettle on, Very making good. tea for everybody. Yeah. Probably trying to find a something to make for snacks too. Hmm. That's you know that's fair. Does that mean our girls can reconcile a little bit? <laughs> I wonder if maybe this is a good opportunity for these separate scenes to happen, including the kitchen where we are currently focusing our attention, because I think the parlor is definitely where you have both of the wardens, Marcus is in the Three Seasons porch area right now, waiting for a food delivery, because time didn't jump forward for him. It's dinner time now, and he's hungry. Mm. None of the rest of you necessarily are, because it's only been, for you guys, three to four hours since you ate. Mm -hmm. Well, Des just ate. (laughs) It's true. Des did just eat, so... Yeah, you don't need dinner, uh, but like he's somehow arranged for like Uber Eats or Diner Dash. I don't know what the services are called. <laughs> Diner Dash. Diner Dash. Diner Dash is a video game. <laughs> it's a it's video game. It's one of those game. big fish games. DoorDash, Mike. DoorDash. I like Holy Diner shit. Dash instead. I mean, I like the. You know what? That's what it's called in our <laughs> version of the universe is Diner Dash. Yeah, so he's waiting for his Diner Dash. <laughs> food uh, on the porch which i think this is this kind of establishes uh a bit of the dynamic at the moment that sure he's not totally out of sight but he's not also like sort of forced to be in the same room as beaumont and chaplin right now so that can give you some idea of uh where things are at there and yes, let's let's turn our focus into the kitchen with the the two of you. you you're making tea, Des, because that is quintessentially Desdemona. <laughs> yep, she's also taking out a large jar of honey. Yeah, for the uh, that's fair. librarian. Oh, um, interesting. Like just the whole. Well, thing if of they're Faye, they're gonna want something sweet. Mm, All right. Um, do you? Need any help in here? I, I'm actually good, but thank you for offering. Okay. Uh, bit of a bigger crowd than I'm used to, but I, I've never minded. Well, it it looks like everyone's kind of dispersed, so it's not like they're all in one room. Well, sometimes uh, you gotta take a breath. Mm-hmm. Um... About earlier, are you all right? Albion told me a little bit about what happened, and I know we're 
not necessarily okay, but you're still like my person, so I'm I think we're going to be okay, Ro. I I overreacted a bit. I mean, we both did some things that weren't very cool. Uh we're both sorry. Mm-hmm. But it's I now understand it's not just us. Uh, I have received some clarity pretty recently, actually, on the last few months. And we've not all exactly been acting 100% authentic to our true selves. And that's not actually any of our faults. What do you mean? Same answer over and over again. <laughs> Mr. Jack. Oh. It's one of my worst fears come true, sadly. I mean, I guess no matter how many times I told him that my friends were off limits, it didn't stop him from interfering. That's not your fault. You know that, right? I know it's not my fault. But that doesn't mean that I'm not upset about it. You have every right to be upset, but that's not on you. I think that... He's destined to do shit like that no matter what. I <laughs> Not if I can help it. I mean, yeah. But I don't the... know where he is right now, Ro, but... <laughs> oh, there's a fire in my gut. And I will not let this stand. Okay. I'm fucking pissed. Ro just nods. I think uh, at this dramatically appropriate moment... <laughs> Uh, your your tea just starts whistling loudly behind you. Des is going to take it off the burner, and but she's going to turn to Ro and to say, but in order to take care of it, I'm going to need my ride or die by my side. Ro, like, points at herself, like, like me? That's me? <laughs> <laughs> and Des nods enthusiastically with a smirk. Um, Ro's going to, like, put her hand on top of Des's and just smile. And Des is going to give it a good squeeze and maybe even, like, put her arm around Ro's shoulder and give her, like, a, a side hug before Best they friends. can make some tea for everybody together. Best friends! We're back, baby! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you hadn't had justification to clear, like, mental consequences at this point, nice heart-to-heart -heart moment will we'll do yeah. that for you. Um, meanwhile, Albion, I believe, had invited the librarian up into the the attic that he's sort of made somewhat his own in Dez's place. I'm going to start paying rent. It's fine. That's, I was going to ask. <laughs> Pay your fucking rent, Berkey. Where's my money? <laughs> so, yeah, Albion is um looking at the cracked bowl. You know, I'm almost sad that big fucking thing is gone. Because uh, in the end, he was kind of weirdly noble. But on the other hand, if the satyr hadn't put a sword through his neck, I probably would have put a bullet through his head. The librarian uh, just sort of tilts their head at you and just asks, Why? Well, in the moment, uh, mostly out of anger. I, um, 
So I almost seem, always seem so fucking untouchable, you know? He crashed a fucking van, came out unscathed. He, uh... The librarian quietly corrects you. Twice? Twice, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, he did that shit twice. Um, he killed a kraken with his foot. He, every single battle we had, he, he walked out clean. And he was just normal man, but he was, uh, one of the strongest of us. I guess I didn't think I'd ever see him so much as take a punch. And watching that thing nearly, uh, nearly kill him, I think I was the angriest I've ever been. The librarian, uh, just solemnly nods, uh, out of appreciation, and then asks you, slowly and carefully, picking its words. If the appointed squire to the Knight of the Winter Court of the Fae had not stood down and was going to kill your friend, Sylvester, would you also have put a bullet into its head? If I had stepped into the middle of that duel, Marcus would have been dead too. I mean, hell... If Sylvester died, Marcus also would have been dead. It wouldn't have been that much I could have done. But you were angry. Yeah. As you had stated, would you not have weighed those options and decided in anger that at least you would have killed your foe? What in your heart has changed, Albion Graves? Well, the difference there. That would have given them the excuse to take out Roe, take out Dez, kill everyone else in that room. Oh. I wasn't losing everybody. The librarian interrupts you. I apologize. You have answered a different question than the one that I had intended. I do humbly apologize for my syntactic ambiguity, but even considering such grave violence upon something that you had the choice not to. What changed in your heart, Albion? It has not been that long since the Nixie appeared, and you chose every time to spare a mortal enemy. This was not your mortal enemy, merely someone acting in their nature to fulfill a duty. So, Albion, what has changed in your heart? That was different. That was about me. This... Albion just stands there for a second, face screwing up in frustration as he tries to find the words. It is okay for you to think of your answer. I am patient. Difference is that... Difference is that that was about me. This was about Sly. That was an actual fight I had a part in. That was something I had a hand in. And that was... This was a fight I should have been able to stop. I should have been the one in that ring, not Sly. Should have been me. The librarian is going to gently set their hand on your shoulder. And uh, is going to just say... You absolutely would have died, Albion Graves. It was a contest of strength against strength. 
and you are not as physically adept as your friend Sylvester was. Don't say was. He ain't dead yet. I do not refer to him in the past tense. Simply his intense, nearly inhuman physical prowess. <sighs> yeah, maybe I would have, but... The librarian just says, you would have. In any case, that's not why I called you up here. The librarian cocks their head curiously again. Information for information. That's how this works, right? Yes, and I have given you a great deal of debt here. For you have provided me many answers to questions. How much more debt would I have to pay for you to tell me? Who the hell was the one pulling the Shadrach's strings back there? Hmm. Because I know that something was pulling mine. I don't miss that often. And at that range, with a gun that I know almost as well as I know my own hand, I know damn well that I did not aim for that man's head. So I know that something fucking pulled my strings, but that's fucking immaterial at this point. That's done. What I want to know is why the hell he got back up. Who was the one pulling those strings? Who's the one that Dez ripped out of him? I need a name. This thing's been fucking haunting us long enough. I see. I do not know that I could freely give this name. Not even... Pardon the use of the word. Your, your language is a bit unsophisticated at times. However, as freely, I do not believe I could provide the name of Shadrach's patron, but I can provide information that could lead you to that answer. That's a start. Because one way or another, this has to end. You have indeed given me quite a bit of insight into your own heart and mind. And you are a curious figure. You'd note that uh, that is quite a thing to say, considering that the librarian has uh, a document of every human life that yep. has ever existed. That's sure something. It seems like the librarian has taken at least a bit of an interest in in you, maybe the specific you, maybe the general you. You're not sure. It might even extend to the idea of just people that they've taken an acute interest in. But at the moment, you just have the librarian saying that you are uh, a curious figure and that uh librarian just says, I will share with you information that you have acquired and have not realized, as well as information that you have not acquired, that which you knew you did not possess, and information you did not have that you could not have known you did not possess. You gave me three interesting answers, Albion. Therefore, I shall give you three in return. The first harkens back to a shared experience between you and your friend, Miss Desdemona Brown, and a strong impression received 
by that experience. I'm going to have you make me a quick scholarship roll to try to uh, parse what that might be without more, needing more specificity. So um, that's going to be like a one, because it's just a kind of simple thing to remember. One of those is conked. So far, it's neutral. This is the make or break. That's a plus. Okay. Um, and I don't have a scholarship score. So that's just a plus, straight up plus one. So you meet it. Yes. Yeah, it's easy for you to remember things that are impossible to forget. It's it's the it's the um symbol in front of the uh is it town hall? It is that time that you both looked at uh City Hall Park. Yeah, that's the one. With the site, and it was overwhelmingly potent what you were attempting to look at. That you had to just like look away and try to shift your focus off of that to to close the site and des took some serious psychic backlash from that that left her dazed and a little out of it for the rest of the day so that's piece number one piece number two is that the librarian just sort of looks at you and their face takes on an expression of just like this mask of they're usually fairly expressionless this is just the librarian by that that standard has gone fully expressionless and is just reciting something by rote at you and you you can tell that this is basically just like a definition uh, that is being spat at you mm -hmm. and the librarian just looks at you and rapidly states the word chthonic or chthonian is derived from the ancient Greek word chthon, meaning earth or soil. It translates more directly from chthoniuk in under or beneath the earth, which can be differentiated from other words which speak to the living surface of land on the earth. In Greek, chthonic is a descriptive word for things relating to the underworld and can be used in the context of chthonic gods, chthonic rituals, chthonic oh cults, God. and more. You broke it. And then the librarian assumes the sort of standard posture that you have come to used to. Can I make a lore roll? <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry. I understand what you said, but the context is just whizzing past my head like a rocket. Just call Seth. Yeah, man. Ask him. <laughs> Alright. Uh, lore? What's this? What am I target? I think we can go with... Uh, hmm. I'm gonna go with a... Th with a th with this, uh, this wouldn't be as common, I guess. So I'm going to go with a four. Okay. Um, I hit a, I hit a four. I got two pluses. Okay. I just hit uh, it. So, yeah, we're talking about basically this word chthonic, which was the impression that was so strongly left, I believe, on Des. It's an ancient Greek term particularly describing things in under or beneath the earth or more often in your neck of the woods and your realm uh things relating to the underworld so that's what we're talking about here is that there seems to be some link here between that and the greek underworld in some manner you don't have any Clearer of so a connection it's it, it's from hell or Hades or some shit like that. God damn, that's a that's a lot. 
the librarian is going to just sort of uh, not really answer on that one. Just kind of look at you as you are trying to make sense of this. And then the librarian, after watching you sort of tumble your thoughts through your head, looks at you and just uh, knowing that you're you're done enough at that point, says the final piece of import is the assessor, auditor, justice of the peace, teacher, and man from whom the glory was stolen when Paul Revere did ride. So William Dawes that you're talking about, Mike? You are going to have to make me a scholarship role to try to determine if your character knows who is being talked about. Okay, what's my target? It's a five. Well, I'm, I'm not going to bother. I cannot possibly hit that. I mean, all right. I'd, I'm this not is, using my fate point on this. Albion's this just is, going this to... This seems to be somebody that you just haven't heard of. All right, Albion's just going to um sit there and be like, oh, God damn, I knew we should have gone to actual college. If only you knew somebody who studies history. The librarian <laughs> just kind of doesn't doesn't nod, doesn't agree or disagree with that statement one way or the other. <laughs> the librarian is like, I believe that we have traded sufficiently equal information, though, if you disagree, perhaps John Herman has more answers for you than I, and just walks down the stairs. So your scene, I think, is done. Hey, you can have yourself a little chat with, with Des if you want, given that she literally went to school for history. Yeah, Albion is just going to be like, all right, thank you. I need to get some tea. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that to the back of the librarian as they're already heading down the, <laughs> the stairs out of the attic. Yeah, uh, Albion is just walking. He actually walks past them and rather than getting tea, just walks straight to the fridge and opens up two bottles of Ale 81 and pours them into the biggest uh, cup he can find <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> wow. It's probably a big, giant, like, Las Vegas sippy cup from, you know, her father. <laughs> it's not the it's not the big Jamaican me crazy one. It could say fi it's five o'clock somewhere on it. <laughs> I was thinking it was like one of those. In Tybee Island. It was like one of those, like, movie cups. Like, one of the ones that's like you got you get at the premiere of Star Wars Episode One that has, like, a bottom that's like Darth Maul and then a plastic topper that's the top half of Darth Maul. And we lost the top half, so it's just a black robes and feet on the bottom. It's just a massive cup. Or it could be like one of those big, like, giant, long, like, you know, drink ones from, like, Vegas that people just carry around with the very <laughs> long straws. That also works. Alvin just is pouring Elliot into that and just is like, Des, do Either you know way, a John it's... Herman? <laughs> do I need to roll for that? You know what? I'm going to borrow from the Firefly game uh, and say that you can spend your fate point to at least have some knowledge of this individual. I mean, if you sure. want. I mean, my character was a history major in college, and yeah. yes. All right, so that'll bring me down to five. Do you need me to invoke okay. anything, or you just want to spend it? No, I'm going with. I'm. I'm just gonna g kind of borrow from that system here to just the the I know a guy kind of feature. Oh yeah, I um, talk to him every every Saturday evening. <laughs> <laughs> No, Wait, but he is I'm gonna... dead, right? <laughs> John Herman, no. no, he's from Stranger Than Fiction. Yes, he is a real living man. Um, 
that, so you're, uh, you're asking Desdemona if she knows somebody who you guys go to crack skulls with? Yes, correct. <laughs> um, is it because so, he is related somehow to historical figures or? No, it's well, because he I'm made gonna a, he's, tell you. He's, okay, I'm going right, to tell well, you the things either way, you know. Take my precious, precious, tasty fate point. Yes. And then lay um, that beautiful lore on me. Absolutely. Uh, he's he's somebody that you you know in passing uh, from, you know, doing school and studying history stuff. You know that he is somebody who also has uh, an interest in local history in New England in particular. And uh, you you remember that he kind of got fixated on something in his own hometown uh, you'd have to like actively try to remember what, uh, but you you know that he's a New Hampshireite who is you know focused on stuff out there. He's a teacher now. You think he's just kind of a guy that you've run across uh, from being in academia at certain points. All right, so she will share that with Albion. All right, neat. Um, do you have his phone number? Does she? I don't think you have, like, a direct means of contact freely available, but you know you could find him in the phone book, probably. Okay, or, come like... with me. Let's go to the study. Okay. She's going to bring Albie into the study, and so it kind of looks like a small library because there's just walls of books in there. But in the middle, like, on one side of the wall in the room is just this giant old desk because... It is from Dez's great-grandfather from back when he was a boat captain on Lake Champlain. And in the middle of it is this, <laughs> like, late 1990s, ugly, old, boxy computer. <laughs> Amazing. It looks so slow. It probably has only two colors. <laughs> and she's going <laughs> to start booting that up and just go, okay, so... The internet's a little slow because, it, but, uh, you know, if you want to do some research and see if maybe we could find him, we can start here. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. Um, I might just see if I can find this guy online, too. We, uh, we have options. <laughs> Alrighty, she's going to probably, like, tap the computer as it's still booting up and just kind of smile and go <laughs> back to the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> um... How much more did you actually share with Dez? Um, you know what? That's a really good question. I should, I should do more. So, yeah, um, whatever it was that was keeping Shadrach up and moving after, uh, I shot him, which, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, whatever that was, uh, it has something to do with, uh, that thing we saw at, uh, City Hall Park, and, uh, apparently with Chthonic. Oh, of course it would. Oh, that was, that was brutal. That was not a good day. I'm worried it might be fucking Hecate. That doesn't sound good. It's not. She's a goddess, but we'll see. Why, why would she want a necromancer active I in Burlington? I do not know. I need you both to make a lore roll because you said a name oh. and it's going <laughs> to be a target three. Okay, I got two pluses, so that is a four. I got a four as well. Okay. Great. The name of that particular Chthonic deity pings off of your brain, and then a gap fills in Hecatean Hags. Oh no! <laughs> it is Hecate! <laughs> Alveda stops, 
Fuck it is Hecate. All right, so she'll turn to Alvin. Do you think if we called Alexis, do you do you know if she'd confirm it or not? Well, I I don't know. It might not be Hecate. It's definitely Hecate adjacent. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just fucking. Yeah, now I need to call that organization and see if I can fucking get on the phone with Alexis. Okay, um, I'll give you the room for some privacy? Yeah, and then I'm gonna call that guy from New Hampshire. Okay, good luck. Um, uh, I have some history books in here too somewhere. She's probably gonna, like, just grab a few from American New England history, like, kind of broad, and just kind of pull those off the shelves and just put them on the desk with a big old thump. Albion is just chugging. Chugging. AL81 <laughs> right now. Don't forget to have so, some water sometime, and she'll just kind of tap him on the shoulder and leave. Um. So, Christine, I think Des, with her lore role and, like, history study, uh, would you say that you might know, like, the domain of of Hecate in, in uh, Greek mythology? I mean, I would think that she would have she would have some like general knowledge um just of you know different lores of different mythologies because that's also fascinating and in a lot of times can go hand in hand with a lot of different ancient civilizations i'm gonna say since you have the name uh that you can give me a i'm gonna let you choose lore or scholarship target for okay i'm gonna do lore because that's way higher and that's going to be a six. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yes. So um, she, you know, is uh, depicted in later periods as three formed or triple bodied, which I mean, that just makes too much sense with the triplet of hags. Um, and she's variously associated with with things like crossroads, night, magic witchcraft knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants oh suddenly those mandragoras start making a little more sense uh necromancy that's a whole grab bag of everything <laughs> i mean she is kind of depicted as like a you know triple bodied goddess so that's information that you have now uh, Des is probably going to leave the study. She's probably going to grab a book of mythology with her as well, just to kind of hold on to for support. And she's going to go back in the kitchen so she can serve everybody tea. Cool, cool, cool. Serving tea. And Albion is trying to find a guy, correct? Uh, yes, but first he's going to try and call that the uh, Order of the Watchful Eye. Merciful Eye, whatever it is. Oh, boy. That's so exciting for me. It's probably like wicked late over there. Actually, hold on, because this is after spring forward, then yes, the time difference is four hours and not five. Yep. So yeah, it's it's uh, coming up toward midnight over in GMT time. So go right ahead and uh, give the Ordo a call. Yep, I'm calling them. Ring. <laughs> it it doesn't very, actually do that. That's a British phone. Some monsters don't sleep. It's fine. Particularly owls. Who? A voice answers the phone and a little groggily just says, um, um, Hello, you've reached the Ordo Misericordium Oculorum. 
what can I do for you today? Who am I speaking with right now? Um, my name's Jason. Who am I speaking to? You called us. Yeah, my name's Albion Graves. Um, uh, we we sort of sent someone your way, and I need to talk to her. Alexis, Hecate, and Hag. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Um, yes. Well, uh, just just give me um one second, please. Uh, okay, yes. Um, you are on our, our clipboard of names. What does the clipboard say? I, hold on, I, I gotta know what the clipboard says about <laughs> me. Are there notes? Is there a you sticky note by my name? Oh well, this is just a list of names that, if they call, I'm supposed to immediately transfer you to someone else. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm the only one here right now because there's, you know, a a bit of a situation in what used to be Carthage. Hold on, what? So people are a little tied up at the. What is going on there? Uh, well, I'm I'm not at liberty to say that is uh, that is official business. Does it have anything to do with Hecate? No, I, I mean, I I can't say one way or the other. Okay, <laughs> that is not my problem. That's fine. <laughs> oh. Okay, yes, that, that makes this next note, which I will not read, make much more sense. Anyway, I don't have someone to pass you off to, because people are busy. And also, Nathan is sick right now, so I have to cover the phones late night. Not like I had plans tonight or anything. What are you going to do, go to Nando's, get yourself a chicken? I feel like I'm being made fun of. I haven't been to England that much, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of cultural touchstones. It shows. Why are you calling me? I I already told you I'm calling you. I need to talk to Alexis. Um, yes, okay, um, hold on just one second. You can hear just, like, rummaging with drawers. I'm not as familiar with Nathan's imbecilic filing system. He does not know how to store things efficiently. Yeah, it sounds like you need an archivist. Don't make jokes at my expense right now, please. Uh, okay, yes, this was earlier this year. A hag and her sister have been relocated into Greece. Which makes sense, because they are Greek and would not have fit in, necessarily. It would have been much more difficult to ingratiate them here, so they have been rehomed, in a sense. Alright, um, do you have a number I can contact them at? Yes, but I would not recommend calling them tonight, because it's even later there than here. Fine, I'll call them in the morning. Yes, I think they would, and I'm not biased in this opinion, in any sense, appreciate that very much. Alright, can I get that number, please? Yes, yes, here you go. Scribble, 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 scribble. You've not gone to recidivism, and you're not planning to finish the job that you started. No, absolutely not. I actually have questions about, um, where they get their name from. Okay, well, I don't actually care that much, so... I'm not planning on tracking them down and killing them. That ship sailed. We're done with that. Okay, good, because this call is being recorded for quality assurance, <laughs> and I just wanted to make sure I had it on tape that you asked because you are not actually planning on inflicting the violence that your little group is so known for. Wait, are we? Uh, <laughs> I thought... Okay, I'd been told that there'd been a conversation with you... Yeah, I didn't realize we still had a reputation. We haven't done all that much monster <laughs> killing lately. I mean, it, it wouldn't go away. <laughs> okay, you realize who you're talking to here, right? Yeah. Saying, I haven't done that much yeah, monster yeah, killing. Yeah, I'm talking to Jason. 
Yes, you're talking to Jason, who took this wonderful part-time gig at what is basically the Monster Preservation Society. And you just waltz into my phone conversations that I'm recording and say, Oh, I haven't killed that many monsters lately. Like, that's something I should be applauding. You know, for. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... Listen, this, is, this conversation went absolutely off the rails. It really did, but also it's nearly midnight over here, sir, and I just don't want to be here tonight. Well, thank you for the help. I, I do appreciate it. Um, is there like a survey that I'm going to get redirected to when you hang up? Because uh, you do deserve good stars for your service. No, when I said tape, it's literal. Oh, okay. Um, hey, supervisors, Jason's doing a bag up job. I just want to make sure you know that. Um. I'm sorry for being snippy, but uh, he's he's doing fine. All right, thank you for your help. I was joking about quality assurance. We just record calls because we're a secret organization dedicated to the preservation of monster life. For fuck's sake! <laughs> and we're a po- comedy podcast again. <laughs> uh, Alfie's just gonna be. Like, well, now I just feel like you're picking on me. I'm gonna hang up. Have a good night. <laughs> You feel like you're being picked on! <laughs> Albion has hung up. <laughs> and just sits there, face in his hands, embarrassed by how that went. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I want Ro to walk over and sit next to Albion and just mimic what he's doing. Just like, <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but same, buddy. Yeah, this has <laughs> been a fucking day. Yeah. Hey, so I promised I wouldn't call the hags. Here's their number. Would you call them for me? Absolutely. (laughs) No hesitation. (laughs) Why are you like this? (laughs) We're on a time crunch, as has been established repeatedly. Uh, So, okay. Um, I I just want you to know that your your phone uh, is ringing. Yeah, Tom? Yes? Albion? Albion picks up. Hello? Um, yes, I was meaning to ask, actually, before... Oh, hi, Jason. Albion looks at Ro. (laughs) It's Jason. Uh, Hi, Jason. Uh, Okay, so let me just ask a question. Yeah, what's up? This might sound odd, but I've been asked to make sure I ask this question of anybody who happens to have this number and call in. Have you encountered any unusually large objects which appear to be owl pellets? (laughs) Have I? No. (laughs) No, I have not seen the owl man around here or any sign of him. Thank you for confirming that you have not recently encountered anything which appears to be an extremely oversized owl pellet. (laughs) I do not need to ask you any further questions on this list. Thank you for your thanks. And he just hangs up. <laughs> Bye, Jason. Uh, hey, Albion? Yep. Who is Jason? Uh, he works for the Monster Hugging Society. Oh, okay. I don't care that much about Jason. <laughs> anyway, uh, Albion fills in a row about the whole Hecate thing. So, yeah, it's all... That's what's tying together with fucking Shadrach and whatever was pulling his strings and making sure he was still standing after I shot him in the face. Which, uh, I feel like that was, that, that may have been Mr. Jack's fault in retrospect. Okay. 
So. In any case, so yeah, we need to ask Hecatean hags uh, about Hecatean uh, if they can clarify any of this for us. Okay. So I just call them up and say. And I said I wouldn't call them because it is very late in Greece, but uh, we're on a fucking time crunch with what's going on with yeah. Marcus. So. Uh, Rose already dialing. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, somebody picks up the phone and speaks to you in Greek. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> hi. Uh, my name is Ro, and I'm American. And I'm bilingual. <laughs> oh, thank God. Okay, hi. <laughs> uh, I am calling on behalf of the Graves Foundation. Um, <laughs> looking... To speak with Alexis, is she around? There's just this pause, and um, this person on the other side of the phone says a few things under their breath in Greek, and <laughs> then just says, Look, Ro, it's very late, and I do not appreciate if this is a prank call. It's not. Um, I I met Alexis a while back. Um, we're kind of, we have similar people in common that we know. Um, I'm look, I'm just looking at getting some information from her. I know it's late, and I'm sorry. Could you please describe this Alexis for me? There may be more than one. <laughs> I describe Alexis perfectly, and they know exactly <laughs> who I'm talking about. Heck yeah. Uh, Gwen? Yes? How are you describing Alexis? <laughs> this actually matters. Okay. Um, considering I, as Gwen, don't remember what Alexis looks like, can I have help from one of my my cohorts, please? Because hey, I so, I have the least so, experience okay, with. Her. So you're trying to describe what this person looks like? Yeah. To to I, this person who's asking you to clarify, and uh, uh, the the person on the other side of the the phone just says. I, I don't have any, I don't have someone working with me with that name and description, so I, I'm going to hang up now unless you uh, um, give me a reason not to. I, she, she's a hag. Mm. <laughs> okay. Is that an, okay. Is that anything? <laughs> I just needed to make sure that you hadn't perhaps reached this number in error before I start talking about monsters that we have in Sanctuary. Well, you can I didn't understand. Know if that was like a term I wasn't supposed to use, and I really don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> this is not a conversation I am willing to have at this hour. Or I just need any to speak to hour. Alexis. Alexis is asleep, <laughs> I presume, as she ought to be. However, I can, I can inform her, or even her sister, if you so choose, to <laughs> give you a call during an hour that would be reasonable for both you and her. I hate this. Alvin looks up like, uh, would you be so kind? He's making sure he's heard. As to, uh, tell the nice lady you're talking to that, uh, Alexis very literally owes us her life. She's gonna take the call. Um, okay, so, 
we we can get off the phone in a minute, but I was told to tell you that Alexis owes someone here her life and will take the call. So pretty please go collect her if possible or her sister. I didn't want to make this call, but I did because I like my friend a lot. <laughs> I don't actually have a direct means of access to Alexis right now. Do you have an it address? Is... <laughs> there is what is obviously some cursing in Greek on the other side of the line. Uh, I am going to take the message that somebody who says that Alexis owes them her life <laughs> has called. You can say it's wants... Albion. It wasn't Roe. It was Albion. Yeah, say it was me. Thank you. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I just want to make sure I'm spelling this correctly, uh, writing this down. And she, they do. Cool. Yeah, that's, uh, yep. Okay. Good. Glad. I'm, I'm sorry to have bothered you. <laughs> yes, I'm glad that you are. Now, I'm going to go back to having a very quiet night shift where people don't try to call and get in contact with the the creatures that we are keeping in. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm, Allie I'm hangs, sorry. Allie I'm tired. just reaches and hangs up the phone. <laughs> Ro repeats the same head in hands that Albion did with his phone call and sits in silence. Albion leaves the room for a moment, comes back and just gently puts a bottle of L8 in front of Ro. <laughs> she drinks it sadly because... She knows that she's awkward, but I don't think it's ever been that bad. I was hoping that you'd go for your trademark, uh, give no fucks, take no shit sass, but, uh, I see you went for the tired, sad, awkward row. Bold play, I admit. I, that was, that wasn't on purpose. I, Albion, it's been a long day. <laughs> it really fucking has. Albion just puts an arm around Ro gently. <laughs> she's tired. Hello everybody, this is Michael, your GM, your best friend, and you're gonna keep it short today, boy, so that we can just get through the rest of the episode and then worry about the next one next time. And maybe I'll have an ad read that time too. Uh, but I appreciate everybody's patience. Uh, this particular arc of episodes uh, has been a lot more time intensive uh, to record and to edit and produce um so thank you again and i hope that the end result has been worth it for everybody next episode is a real doozy so we're gonna keep this one kind of light today and uh just say hey thank you to the pocket podcast network for hosting our show as well as a bunch of other great shows that you can listen to right now if you are somehow here listening to us because you showed up uh, from the Pokemakers animation, sorry for all the cussing we do. And, you know, all the cussing that we made JD do because he's a guest on this episode and you just heard that. 
but I hope you enjoy it. Uh, that Pokemaker's animation is wonderful. That show is a delight. If you don't listen to it already, you should. And if you're looking for something a little more in line with our show, you might be interested in Tia and Rio attempt to save the world. And it's a uh, it's very much you know darker, more horror themed. It's also our first like narrative fiction, just scripted podcast uh, that we have, which is very cool. And I'm going to push everybody to go listen to that uh, until you do. So keep expecting to hear about that until everybody is on board with that. Um, And of course, thank you, the listener, for listening to me babble today, yesterday, and always. Also, thanks to our special guests who are giving their time for a line or two in this episode. Uh, Nick Trent and Sean Geddes. Just, yeah, cool people all around. Bye. Hey, I'm Lachlan. And I'm a Jay. We're just two dudes who love ghosts, goblins, ghouls, and monsters so much that we've decided to create our own. Well, how about you give me an example? How do you feel about an electric boy who can only move on subway tracks? Or a sparkly light-up manatee who lives in the deep ocean? Or maybe a hairy office snack thief who uses his extra-long arms to steal lunches? You know what? That sounds pretty good to me. Well, you can hear about all these things and more on The Ghoul Tank. Find us every other Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you can download podcasts. Join us in our journey to create the next big cryptid. The weight of just how tired you all are is fairly significant at this point, I would say. I think this would be a good time for you to be informed that your travel plans have been made for uh, getting to Edinburgh, because this is this is kind of happening on short notice. Um, it's it's going to be a few hours all right. before you actually leave. Uh, so. They're talking like getting to Edinburgh around 4 a.m. your time so that it's at least like maybe eight in the morning over there. A time when other people that are native to there might be awake already. Damn the inconvenience to the rest of the world. How does that whole time zone thing work with our deadline? (laughs) You don't know. All right. I'm going to make another phone call. Because, well, okay, you would know. You would know. 5.30 is the determined time because that's 20 hours from a a specific moment uh, at about 9.30 this morning. Mm-hmm. So okay. if it is, yeah, it, the, the time difference over there, it's not like, oh, we're in Edinburgh and now it's after 5.30. No, yeah, it's, no. it's not so going to do that. So if we're still there around, it would be like 9.30 there if we were there and it happened yes if you were it would be 9 30 there uh i I believe glasgow's on greenwich mean time um let me or edinburgh rather this is a fiction podcast we can make up time zones (laughs) i mean what is time really edinburgh time zone is greenwich mean time great okay just so we know like what our timeline is yeah your your timeline is that um you're supposed to be in Edinburgh an hour and a half before Marcus is supposed to die. Cool. So 
that's that's kind of where you're at now is that um the wardens have have kind of gotten you know gathered everybody into the parlor because hey you've got tea marcus has dinner and um y'all have had an opportunity to talk and ask questions and you know uh sort of investigate your own stuff together and have your moments so now everybody's gathering there the librarian is just still kind of there <laughs> Des has brought the left. librarian their own tea and it's they basically leave a bottle of honey next to it and go i don't know how sweet you'd like it but there you go the librarian uh has been taking like a spoonful of honey and putting it into the tea mixing it in and this happens more than once <laughs> And uh, eventually, as the librarian has sipped a good amount of tea, there comes a point where they are loading up another spoonful of honey. And instead of putting it in the tea, they just put it straight into their mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. They're just sort of quietly enjoying themselves over in the corner uh, as you are discussing these things. And (laughs) yeah, Marcus and Beaumont are like, so we got we got Sylvester to the hospital and uh he's in critical condition obviously What did you guys say Um you know what Here's the great thing about when somebody's in a medically induced coma is they can answer that question for themselves later all you have to say is that our friend is uh, terribly injured and uh, is is dying. And you know what? Sometimes you can just sort of get by on describing the trauma that they have and not explaining where it came from. Because right. they have more pressing things to worry about, like saving their colleague's life. Noted. Yeah. Marcus, Marcus kind of uh, made sure that they weren't going to ask too many leading questions. Um, he, he's, he's fairly good at, uh, at, I, I guess you're, you're kind of good at, uh, you know, pushing people away from stuff that you don't want to talk about. Yeah. It's a, it's a skill. Uh, does, an, does anyone know who Sly's emergency contact is? Probably one of his sisters. I'll send a text. Thank you. They 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 need to know. Yeah. Tell them they can stay here if they need to. Mm-hmm. Ro opens her phone to a group chat that just says "Tall Sisters" with a heart, <laughs> <laughs> and she relays the basic info of, um, you know, come here, Sly in hospital. Maybe a second text with like a brief supernatural involved mention oh boy so you are not preparing them for how bad it is i okay maybe we say i wasn't i don't know if you like think this through um maybe leave the hospital's phone number yeah we had an incident um sly is in pretty bad condition at the hospital here's hospital info and then the rest of, like, briefly, here's what happened. Okay. So you're you're working on getting information over there. 
Yeah. That makes sense. It you know, it's not that late, but uh it, everybody's been through a lot. And Beaumont just kind of looks around the room and just says, "I might recommend at this point just kind of trying to wind down and maybe uh get a little bit of sleep because we are going to have a trip very early in the morning so it might be worth i mean we're we're in Des's house and uh there's a very good threshold here and uh from what i understand she's got some friends around who uh have a vested interest in keeping her safe and i don't just mean us so can ro make eye contact with beaumont um, in, in like a, can... a knowing so she knows like he knows that she's looking at him yeah okay yeah there's a very pointed look coming that way okay uh how how do you mean by a pointed look exactly ro knows that he's talking about her dad's guys um and they oh. still have not talked, or at least that's what Roe is interpreting. Um, yeah, I'm going to have you make an empathy roll here. We're uh, going to set a basic target of three. You're telling me I was wrong? I'm telling you that I can confirm or deny. That's a five. Okay. Heck yeah. Yeah, no, he's he, he means the ghosts. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so this property literally abuts a big old graveyard and Des uh has a lot of uh spirits that are familiar with her and maybe have weekly appointments with her sometimes. <laughs> okay. That that's valid. And Rose uh, still yeah. upset at him though. <laughs> oh, and also um the grandmother and mother <laughs> ghosts. <laughs> Very that true. are hanging around, you know? Okay, well, if so. you think about it from Rose's perspective, uh, she's mad at him, and that's where she stands. <laughs> yep. I mean, absolutely, I understand why you, your impulse would be to think that. And you can still choose to think that, but you yep. also get the get the idea that, oh, he he means the literal supernatural <laughs> things around here. Like... Mm -hmm. Des's mom and grandma ghosts and also the you know just how very haunted this place is and they gotcha. kind of like her the basic suggestion is just like you know maybe maybe get some rest or do like more passive stuff because this is probably the safest place in town how does everybody uh feel about that in character uh works for Ro. De Des is ready for a break. I think she wants to take a take a shower and change her clothes because she's been, you know, like rolling around the municipal plant. She's been throwing up. She's been murdering <laughs> necromancers. <laughs> she's, baby's had a big day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, she needs to do something to make her feel like a human being again. I, I think that that's a completely reasonable thing. Yeah, that but she's probably going to fall asleep in a chair somewhere with that Greek mythology textbook 
you know, falling into her lap. <laughs> That's a reasonable thing to do. Albion, how do you feel about the idea of just kind of taking it easy for a bit and recovering from the day so that you can go have another, well, literal trial? I, um, I have one last phone call to make. Yep. Oh, do you? Uh, calling, uh, Mr. John Herman. Ah, I see. You're trying to track down this guy. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, I'm going to have you make a scholarship role to try to find information about him. You know, searching online, as I believe you are. Yep. What's my target? Uh, I'm going to say like a two. And then maybe if you get a four, you might have uh, slightly more useful information. If you roll a below a two, then you're going to get the effect of the two. Just it's going to bump the ladder uh, by time increments based on how much you miss. All right. Um. It's just a one. Okay, so we're going to go from a few minutes, I believe, up to like 15 minutes of searching around. I feel like I should probably find him, because it's still 2020 at this point, on the Stranger Than Fiction website. It's one of the first places I find him. I mean, you you also are like trying to dig through his website for the Disappearance podcast to see if you can get contact information from there. Um, but also, like... You have the fact that he is, in fact, a teacher and like trying to maybe get the school's number uh, and then the Stranger Than Fiction company, uh, you know, getting information there. So like you have ways to tangentially try to contact him, maybe like an email address at this point, but a direct phone line I don't think you're going to get from even a fairly decent search because most people don't put their direct contact lines out anymore all right i'm gonna email him okay just email him hey i have some questions about uh hi there uh i've heard you are a scholar uh again backspace <laughs> um <laughs> hello my name is albion and I was told that you would have information about uh, someone I was given something of a riddle about. And I just type in assessor, auditor, justice of the peace, teacher, and man who had his glory stolen on the night when Paul Revere did ride. Could we talk on the phone about this? This is going to sound weird, but it is kind of urgent. Thank you. And I'm going to put my phone number in the email. Okay. Great. You have done that, you send the email off, and now you're just kind of waiting, waiting for a response. Yep, Albion's just chilling right now. Finishing that giant cup of ale ate one, and just sitting on the couch staring at the ceiling. Uh, unable to get the image of Sylvester collapsing out of his head. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's gonna be a, a tough image to, to shake, I assume. Because you like that guy. I love that guy, I would even say. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, everybody is just kind of going into a, a lot of, like, sort of low-power mode at this point. Uh, what exactly is Ro doing this evening? Um, I think that Ro is just kind of vibing, probably watching TV and sleeping. Ro's just vibing needs to be a shirt. She... Yeah. 
Bro's just, <laughs> just vibing. You're right. Yeah. No, um, you're, you, you know what? You're right. <laughs> yep. Television's yeah. in the kids' room. Um, there's a very ugly couch in there. And um, yes. bunk beds. Beautiful. Um, she's also mentally preparing because she she knows she needs to have a conversation with Beaumont. She's just not ready yet. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, everybody is just kind of trying to wind down as best as they as they can and uh, maybe get a little bit of shut eye in before you have to leave. The librarian is just kind of there, just not really doing anything uh, at the moment, mostly just looking at the honey and sort of examining it and occasionally taking a little taste of it <laughs> um, and just kind of enjoying having immediate access to something sweet and attempting to moderate that and uh, <laughs> sort of satisfy their curiosity in a way that can sustain them for a sufficient amount of time. Des, as you are sort of drifting into uh, unconsciousness, you do kind of catch that the librarian uh, has, just says something vaguely, and you're not sure to whom, but uh, you, you just get the idea that uh, as you're sort of drifting out that uh, the librarian has said, now is not the correct time. You don't know why, you don't know to whom, but you are unconscious uh, shortly thereafter. I think that, yeah, uh, Ro is just, like, kind of falling asleep with the TV on. Uh, what What's mm -hmm. Ro watching on TV? Um, I think because it's Des's house, I want to honor <laughs> the, the whole medicine woman theme. But I think that she has found some kind of, like, rerun of Tom and Jerry or something. Okay. And Albion. Yep. You're waiting sort of waiting for a response email or a call or something and yep. just kind of drifting a little bit away and trying to maybe like, uh, you know, keep yourself awake, having a hypnic jerk here and there, but you just kind of can't help it, even with the copious a late one you've consumed. For some reason, you just are kind of... Oh, no, I'm not surprised. I'm falling asleep at this point. Yeah, fading off into slumber. And, uh, everybody has dreams of some kind. Desdemona, the people in the room around you had been, you know, talking to each other here and there. You were aware that there was a little bit of conversation happening. So you kind of hear, like, their voices get integrated into your dream space as you're dreaming of whatever you're you're dreaming there and uh Ro you kind of get the sound of like commercials between Tom and Jerry episodes you got those noises kind of coming in and out and sometimes like you can pick up somebody saying something that seems out of place uh but you know realistically it's probably just like a tea, you know commercial for something and Albion your sleep is the quietest. You're just kind of off by yourself. So hearing 
voices in your dreams would have to be something entirely out of your subconscious. And? And it is. You're not totally sure what the voices are saying. In your dream, you're consciously aware that you're hearing somebody speaking to you, but you can't quite make out what's being said. And you start realizing that uh, it's because it's a lot of voices and they're not speaking in unison. They overlap with each other in small and subtle ways because uh, they are all very faint and the attempts at making out words are just happen, you know, coincidental syllabic overlap, it seems like, amongst all of these voices. And you are trying to pay more attention uh, to pick these out, and you start realizing there's a familiarity to these voices, and you start to feel like these voices belong to people that you heard people who you tried to save and failed people who were caught in the crossfire or subject of the monster you were hunting maybe even going all the way back to the first time you encountered that black court vampire and those syllabic overlaps of these voices of just memories, painful, painful things to consider, lives lost when you were trying your, your very best. And you start to make out actual words in the madness of this cacophony. Sounds strung together. This was your fault because you held back. Is there any sort of roll I can make right now? Um, if you want to try to wake up, I guess. Um, more sort of trying not to let the words sink in, or... I, I'm gonna let you make a, a dreamy discipline roll. Alright. I would argue different discipline or conviction in this case, but I'll let you decide. Hmm. Okay. I am going to, yeah, you know what? I think we're going to go with conviction because this is something that's happening in your unconscious mind. You don't have the same kind of active discipline that you can work against it, but uh, you have your own personal held, personally held beliefs. Um, I'm going to say this is a target of five. Seven. Okay. The voices get louder and more insistent that you could have done more. It's all shit I've told myself is the problem, but... So you're going to need to make another conviction roll. Again, target five. Okay. It's a five. Yeah, it's, it's getting harder to steel yourself against this, just sort of subconsciously prevent yourself from, you know, believing that the choices you made were the wrong ones, that your compassion and your attempts to find a better solution were somehow a weakness, as you realize that there are 
more just individual words instead of full sentences coming at you now of just like weak and hesitation and saved and reservation and failure just things like that and you have one more conviction roll to make and uh it's gonna be a another five <sighs> that's a six okay oh thank fuck i have a good stat for that this is all stuff that you have said to yourself before you've beaten yourself up for these things but you keep your own convictions you keep to the things that you truly believe to be true about the world and you manage to find that center find that you and you weather that storm i think part of that is that even in this dream space i just start invoking odin and just saying the invocation over and over to try and drown out the voices. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So the sudden shift to silence is jarring, because all that stops. And you have now standing in front of you, you. And you standing in front of you has one eye missing your right eye Mm -hmm. and you have just in its place that silver fire that you're so familiar with and it leads down your arm which is hanging at your side and it's right by your holster where you keep Gungnir and uh, that left arm of yours is just not there just not there it seems like the legs of this you in front of you only really exist to just support you enough that that arm can move and retrieve a gun which it has not done yet and then as quickly as you know you can draw, uh, you're drawing on yourself. How are you reacting? Um, closing my eyes, once again, um, invoking Odin, and just trying to figure out what sort of test this is that I am being given. Okay. You are shot in the face. Not unlike what you did earlier to... Shadrach and yourself just sort of it's gate horrid because it's not about carrying itself from place to place it is about using what it has to kill and kind of leans over you not far but clearly at the threshold where it's about to fall over and you just say to yourself in a mockery of your own voice you're too slow cowboy and now yeah you're dead since i'm witnessing this like maybe i'm a little slow ain't a sprint though it's a marathon gotta drop both guns and just blast it in the chest okay 
since this is a dream, I'm just going to dictate the thing that happens. Yep. And you Frank Reynolds this motherfucker. You just start blasting. And you pepper your own twisted version of yourself with quite a bit of firepower. And you look back at yourself from the ruins of this sort of shambling form and this fake you just says <laughs> well I guess you did have it in after all just gotta be quicker on the draw there cowboy and you hear the voice of your mentor Alistair coming out of this thing's mouth just saying you think too much <laughs> And you sit up abruptly awake. Your head is uh, not shot open. And uh, it's not three or four in the morning yet, but you have just shot bolt upright in a chair. And you are now awake again. Alvin's going to check his phone and see what time it is. It is 12.38 a.m., and you have one unread email. Did you know the voice actress for Ducky is um, also uh, the voice actress for the little girl in All Dogs Go to Heaven? Yes, I did. And she was murdered. I she also knew that. She was murdered by her yep. dad. Yep. I know. This is Love why that. you don't let your dads murder you. Oh, this is also <laughs> why <laughs> you don't. No, we. I was going to say something, but we can't skim over this. And Christine left the call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honestly, you know what? After a line like that, yeah, she put herself into the shame zone. <laughs> I returned from the shame we channel. Give over I that. Banish you there for that. No, no. I, I got what I deserved. <laughs> uh, you, you knew what you had done. I, I know. Yep. You knew the sin you had committed. This is what happens when you let Christine out of her bottle. <laughs> I'm coming out of my cage and I'm not doing just fine. In fact, I'm doing pretty bad because of that thing you said. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.